Insights Podcast, where we examine trends, technologies, platforms, and industry activities related to local media revenue. I'm Rick Ducey, BIA's Managing Director, and I'm here today with Zeppo's Chief Revenue Officer, Todd Handy. Before joining Zeppo, Todd was Beasley Media Group's first Chief Digital Officer, where he led the company's fast-growing digital media business, realizing a 165% increase in digital revenue over the last few years, primarily focusing on the traditional broadcast radio company uh, transformation into a digital media company. And in addition to his role um, at Sebco now, Sebco now, uh, Todd's a member of the Local Media Association's Board of Directors, a pretty important association helping um, direct companies into the future. Well, you serve on uh, various uh, sales and digital marketing advisory boards, Todd, uh, doing great work. Thank you for that. And you're also a former member of the Local Media Consortium's uh, Executive Committee. So you, you've got a great background in digital and revenue and have some nice executive positions uh, where you could see where things were headed and actually help helping for some of those strategic directions uh, for, for companies that you work for and at these industry uh, positions, uh, the broader industry. So um, great to have you with us. Really looking forward to some of your insights, Todd. Thanks, Rick. It's my pleasure to be here. Great. So um, you were at that intersection of local media uh, coming at it from the traditional side, uh, for example, Beasley and, and some of your other relationships. And um, that, that's a large part of the marketplace that uh, we work with at VIA also is the traditional media trying to say, OK, you know, there, there's a pony there on the digital side. Uh, we see growth, we see revenue. The scale, um, we wish it was bigger, we wish it was faster, but you know, we, we need to be there. Our clients want us to be there, we need to be there as companies. Um, so these media companies are looking to make the investments in digital to diversify and scale the revenue opportunities um, with your strong leadership roles in the space and your vantage points from a few different perspectives. Um, how are we doing, you know, kind of as an industry, these local media companies that come from strengths and traditional in terms of their business models and their revenue models um, and really their expertise, uh, trying to make it into digital? Um, how, how do you see kind of local media industry moving forward, uh, headwinds, tailwinds, that kind of thing? So I think we've come a long way as a local media space. Um, TV and newspaper got uh, disrupted before radio did. It took a little bit longer for radio to be disrupted. And so newspaper TV have a little bit of a head start, but radio has been catching up quickly. In fact, uh, if you listen to some of the responses from SMBs out there and so forth, they feel like they're finding local media reps are really becoming more agency kind of reps, that they're bringing more overall value than just their traditional media and even just digital. Uh, at Beasley, we try to ensure that we position ourselves as a true agency for any of the prospects out there. We could bring them, of course, radio, and of course, we could bring them digital, but we had access to anything else that they were interested in. If they wanted out of home, if they wanted newspaper or TV, we could get that as well. It's so accessible these days that there's no reason to tie yourself to just your traditional media and or even just that and digital itself. So I think if they will think about the fact that we have the product available across all of the audiences to be able to reach those audiences and activate them. It's less about what you've done historically and more about what the uh, advertiser needs and how you can help them to reach those audiences, be it discovery uh, from a brand awareness standpoint, be it from lower funnel or whatever the case may be. So I think that's one of the headwinds that uh, folks are starting to embrace is that 
Yes, it is difficult out there, and you came from a specific niche within media, but you don't have to stay in that niche. You can continue to leverage that, but you can grow your overall product set and your revenue and so forth by ensuring that you're more than just a media company. In fact, back up, you're more than a fill-in-the-blank what your traditional media is. You're more than a radio company or a newspaper or TV company. Now you're a media company, but even more than a media company, you're really an agency when it comes to right. what you can do for those advertisers. Yeah, I mean, it really, um, those words resonate very strongly for me. And, you know, I see that a lot in the industry, uh, this notion of um, not to get too cliched, but kind of what business are we in? Are we in the railroad business or the transportation business? Um, you know, the marketing myopia, theater, love kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're in the business. I mean, like you're saying, of satisfying client needs. Um, and we can use different arrows in our quiver to do that. It could be traditional radio. It could be digital. It could be outdoor. You know, it could be CTV. And that agency perspective of let us understand your business goals, let us understand how you want to build a campaign, who you want to reach with what message, uh, when uh, and in what context, and let us put together the media plan and, you know, show you how we're going to get to our audience and what kind of performance metrics and attribution and so on we can get to. So it's it's quite a large undertaking and it's a whole different experience than it was being in you know, radio, as you're, as you're saying, you know, 10, maybe even five years ago, as it starts to get mm-hmm. kind of stronger. So on the, on the business side, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's what clients want. And there are a lot of people selling your clients that, uh, but traditional media tend to have really good relationships with uh, particularly local clients, direct clients. And it's like, well, if you, you know, I can go to 15 different media um, representatives and, and get my campaign activated. Or if you can help me and you can, you know, manage 10, you know, or all of my media investments for that agency kind of role, even if your, you know, business card says a TV station or a radio station, if you can take care of most or all of my needs, I'll do my business through you. I mean, it's a really kind of competitive differentiator in the marketplace. It's interesting, Rick, because I've had that exact discussion with sellers in every one of the markets I've ever been in, in all of the media companies that I've worked for, that they'll say something along the lines of, you know, my business card has our station name or our newspaper name or whatever on it. And that gets me in the door because we have a longstanding relationship. I go back to my time at Beasley, 60 year media company, right? They've got the relationship and the brand cachet in the market there. So when you call and say, I'm calling from this outlet, whatever it may be, folks sit up and take notice because they've known you, they've listened to the morning drive, they've read the newspaper on Sunday, you know, they've done all of that. So that gets them in the door, but the sellers would say the problem is then when I show up, they expect me to be a traditional person. They don't expect me to be a digital person. And that goes back to why you need to position yourself not as just the traditional media company or even just as a media company, but as an agency and make sure that you also have, as you know very well, so many of the traditional media companies out there have a digital agency as well with a separate name and so forth. Right. You make sure that you've got the call letters of your your uh, your top station, but you also make sure that you have the name of your digital agency on there. So as you earn your way into the door, your history gets you through the door, but then the future is what keeps you there and helps you to ensure that you can service that advertiser. That's the first thing. And then the second one, and as you know very well, I don't come from the journalistic side and I don't come from the traditional side. I'm a digital guy through and through. And so I say this and I don't mean this to disrespect anybody, but as a media company, we have to remember that, frankly, our audience really isn't our users because they're not paying most of the time for the product. They're the audience that's the eyeballs. They're the inventory. The advertisers are in many ways 
our audience because they're right. the ones who actually pay. That's where the revenue comes from. Don't get me wrong. There is uh, a chicken and egg there. If I don't have an audience to sell, no advertiser is going to come. So I have to build an audience. But that's what you see in all of the startups, especially when you think of social media, the Facebooks and the others of the world who had all of this cash to burn with their investments. And so they could build this entire audience before they even started to monetize. So you had the chicken and egg. So as, as you think through that from a traditional media standpoint, leverage your history, but then make sure the overlay digital and the advertising and agency space on that so that you can position yourself for the future. Yeah, that is, you know, sort of a bullseye, I think. And I'll give you one example. I was speaking with um, an executive um, COO of a sort of small medium market radio company and talking like this, you know, digital opportunities, um, scale, scope, and, you know, what your local sales team can do, what, what the local advertising base is looking for from the radio station. And it was like they took your words to heart and said, okay, you know, uh, you'd like to be on TV, but it's expensive. Um, you know, you're loyal to our radio station. Thank you. And so they said, well, you know, we can actually get you on TV. Um, you're familiar with streaming TV and connected TV. Um, we could put together a media plan for you and combine you with what we're doing with our, with our radio air with uh, this connected TV. And on that platform, we can really super target um, your audience and even have different ads, different creatives for different audience segments. Uh, so they kind of learned how to do that CTV cell and were open to say, yeah, you know, it's radio call letters, but we're really an advertising company uh, and an agency to deliver your results. So they took some steps down that road. And then uh, when I was talking to this executive, he, he said, you know, 30% um, of our revenue now comes from CTV. <laughs> uh, and so it's like they're a radio station that does CTV or like you're saying, they're a solutions company that that brings results for their advertisers. So it can happen, you know, even even in a market, small market, we have the benefit of those great direct relationships. Well, I happen to be speaking on uh, on a webinar of a well-known white label agency in the local media space. And one of the attendees was from a secondary or tertiary market and was talking about how they're a newspaper company, but for whatever reason, they had decided that they could build out a radio station. So literally they come from the newspaper background, but they built out a radio station that now has an incredible audience and engagement and everything else. And so if you think about just as our traditional media, as our, as our traditional audiences are eroded and find themselves in other areas, if we don't branch out to create incremental inventory and engagement opportunities, we don't have as much to sell. And I, I've not worked for a company who says, oh, it's okay if revenue goes backwards, right? Revenue always has to be up and to the right. And so in this case, I was impressed by the fact that these folks had come from a newspaper background, but they decided that they were going to build out a radio station and they had driven incredibly great engagement from that and diversified themselves. So not only could they now say, yes, we can get you newspaper and radio, right? Because they now have radio, but I just thought that was really uh, disruptive, the fact that they would do that instead of just saying, let's go out and buy a couple more newspapers. It was interesting. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, on the digital side, um, you know, what, what the traditional media companies see is um, it's a different business model, different margins, you know, uh, and if it's innovation or something new, um, you know, that startup mentality, you don't, you don't win, you know, significant significantly in the marketplace for years, you know, so you don't measure it in quarters or, or even months. It takes a while to get, 
your business out there, people familiar with what you're offering and then starting to, to demand it. So it's like, you know, even these days with margin compression, uh, the, the linear or traditional side, pretty good business, throws off some good cash. Then you look at digital and it's like, oh, you know, revenue might go backwards. Uh, the margin is how small, um, but you're growing, you know, planting seeds to diversify revenue and have future avenues uh, to scale. Well, I, I believe that one of the main KPIs that every local media company needs to be looking at is digital as a percentage of total revenue. Yeah. Now, you can game that because if your top line revenue is declining because your uh, traditional revenue perhaps is declining, even if you just keep the same digital revenue, if your top line declines, you're still going to increase your percentage. So I'm certainly right. not suggesting that you game exactly. it that way. You need right. to grow both of them. But, but best practice is... 25, 30%. That's best practice of what a local media company should be shooting for to have as their percentage of total revenue that's digital. Many right. aren't there, but that doesn't matter, right? It's one of those ideas where I've got to set the goalposts way out there and work towards that. And I've got the milestones along the way. I've got the yard markers to get me there. And every time I'm moving forward, as long as I'm moving forward, I'm getting closer to that. You know, the, the right. best practice folks are in the low 30s or so, uh, you've seen and I've seen as well in the last little while, Lee Enterprises has been reporting that they're now over 50% in digital. And I applaud that, right? That's amazing that they would do that. So when I was at Beasley, our goal was to be 20% by 2022 and then continuing on from there. Is it easy? No, not at all. And what happens if you get to 2022 and you're only at 17? Okay, you didn't hit 20, but if you hadn't set that goal, you might have come right. in at 12, right? It's the whole uh, aim for the stars and hit the moon instead, right? We've exactly. got to ensure that we've got a battle cry that we can rally around. And so for me, one of the main KPIs is percentage of total revenue that's digital. So this this is um, a lot of moving parts. And so you're, you're giving the example of a newspaper company to get into the radio business. Um, now these traditional media companies are getting into the digital business. There's a lot of moving parts and pieces. I mean, there's back-end stuff, there's front-end systems, there's a lot of middleware. There's a lot of things that have to come together well in the digital space uh, for media companies to, to execute confidently and you know successfully uh, business-wise. So that, tell us a little bit about where you are now and, and what you're doing and how, how this all fits into what we're talking about. Yeah, so uh, so Sebpo, who I'm with currently as the chief revenue officer, is a really interesting company. Um, I spent the first part of my career in the BPO, the business process outsourcing space, which is really everybody's really familiar with that. It's that's where in the '90s a lot of the jobs were being outsourced to India and Philippines and offshore and so forth. It, it's very much around low cost labor markets and everything else, and things that are very definable, measurable, repeatable, and so forth. Well, SEBPO is at the intersection of business process outsourcing and really the publisher and agency space. And really what we use as our mantra, as we're discussing with our clients and prospects, it really comes down to uh, expense reduction, revenue generation, and uh, um, performance improvement, right? right. Uh, we call it sale, scale, save, and succeed. It really comes down to this. As a media company, if you're not looking to reduce your expenses, I'm super surprised. Everyone is looking to do that. But how do you do that? What can you do that can find ways that you can have sustainable expense reductions? And in fact, um, our, our team just attended uh, the Digiday Publisher Summit in Miami. And Digiday always does these uh, boards where they have the publishers come up and post the problems that they're dealing with. Ah. And one of the ones was um, how to deal with uh, 
increasingly uh, tightening of the belt and decrease of budgets and so forth, right? And I, that's a refrain that we've all heard. Right. So you can you can certainly learn to reduce your expenses. So in our case, we put in place folks who do media planning and uh, ad operations and optimization and reporting and creative generation and so forth, but we do those offshore. So folks can find the people that can work for them, but they can, first of all, maybe they can find more quantity than they could find in their local market, but they can also find it at a reduced price, right? So there's the expense reduction side, but there's also the revenue generation side. I don't know any media company that doesn't struggle with its inventory and ensuring that it fulfills and everything else. And when it doesn't, then it has make goods, right? I, I can't tell you as a revenue guy how much I hate make goods when I have to pull forward inventory <laughs> right. from next month into this month just so I right. can make this month's revenue. Yep. So if you can do things that can minimize, actually, let's go maximize your fulfillment and minimize your make goods and so forth, you are generating revenue, even though you're not actually sending one out to create new revenue, you're just protecting the revenue that you have. And then the third one really is just improving performance. I come from having opportunity to have ad operations teams report into me and you get really great folks who are doing a really great job. But one of the problems is you think about ad ops in any given market and you've got the folks sitting there, hands on keyboard, entering the orders and so forth, and who shows up uh, a seller saying, hey, I need you to traffic this right now. And right. you go, okay, well, there's 20 orders ahead of you. Who's do you want me to bump? <laughs> well, I need you to bump mine right now. Yeah. Well, the great thing is with using a partner, we're able to provide our partners with the ability to be offsite, to be centralized, to be a way behind a door, if you will, right? Where folks aren't on top of that trafficker and saying, hey, I need you to traffic this right now, where you can follow an SOP and you can follow SLAs and everything else. And so it's really about reducing expenses, generating revenue, and improving performance. Wow. Um, that sounds fantastic. I mean, what a great um, opportunity for companies to partner and get access to all of those different um, assets and platforms without trying to do it all themselves. I mean, it's nice to to be able to do that BPO kind of um, approach where virtualize it. Why, why try to stand up all those expenses and, and um, the risk that goes along with that? Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, this has been great, um, Todd. Um, we're, we're coming into fourth quarter. You just gave us some some great insights as to what could be done for fourth quarter, and then of course launching into um, twenty twenty four. Um, anything else you'd like to cover before we um, let you go here today? Uh, yeah, m way more than you have time for. <laughs> so exactly, we won't do that. I'm sure. We won't do that to your to your <laughs> listeners. But yeah, as as it relates to that, um, I think number one is uh, you got to focus on the experience both from the user as well as the advertiser, what, what I referenced earlier, right? We have to remember who it is that ultimately right. pays the bills. Uh, let me be very, very clear to the audience folks out there. I only have the audience that you build to sell. So do not get me wrong. If I have no audience to sell, I can't monetize. So absolutely the audience needs to be there. But a lot of times we build our ad units and our ad experience focused on the user, which we need to do. But if it doesn't perform for the advertiser, it will not matter, right? So if I build a really great, really wonderful user experience and ad units that go along with that, if they don't perform and they don't ultimately ring the cash register somehow, so I've got an advertiser who can measure a return on ad spend, they won't come back. So yes, you have to find ways that you can juxtapose a user experience with an advertiser experience and maybe have a little bit of disruption and so forth. I love some of the um, interesting ways that's being done. Um, if you're a Netflix fan, before Netflix went to having a an ad supported tier, 
they started actually having ads when you paused, right? So you paused to get up to go grab a drink or go to the bathroom while you came back. And on your screen, there was an ad while it was paused. You press play, you went right back into the experience. It's not disruptive at all, but it was incremental uh, inventory that they found that I feel fit really well in the user experience and the advertiser experience. So when you're talking about Q4 and the struggles and the headwinds and everything else, I think you really need to find a good way to get both of those experiences and then let the product and the opportunity really lead you to where you can find new opportunities to drive incremental revenue. And it, to me, it's absolutely about protecting your core business and then driving your growth engine, which is your digital. Perfect. Wow. Very well said. Todd, this has been a pleasure. And, and like you say, there's a lot more to talk about. So I guess we're just going to have to have you back sometime, uh, maybe in 2024. <laughs> this has Sounds been good. fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for being with us and joining us on BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast. To everyone, thank you so much for listening and being with us here today. We look forward to having you joining us again. Check out our, our website, um, www.bia.com. Uh, we have a lot of complimentary reports. We have a free newsletter. And we also promote things like this, our podcasts, our um, events, and other kinds of reports that we're releasing to the market. Um, thank you again, Todd. Thank you, Patrick, for producing this uh, for us. And uh, thank you again, everybody, for joining us today. We'll see you next time.